software reset all of its settings on me without telling me. Never seen it before. Quick fix, we're back. Hallelujah. First and foremost, have a drink. The only thing that matters is living water. Continue to increase because we have a born again spirit. So, success of planet Earth is based on the new creature and nothing else. The job will get done, it's only a matter of time. The mess it makes in the meantime that's part of the process. It's called the Earth Laboring in Birth Pains in the Bible. So we're in a time of mega birth pains. Doesn't mean it's painful for us, but it's painful for a civilization transitioning out of the dry soul into the wet spirit. Intelligence of the soul to intelligence of the spirit is horrific. It's like the days of Noah. It's not a minor thing, it is a reset of intelligence of an entire species. And they shall all know the Lord, Greek word, or Hebrew word yada, which means they'll have a knowing from their spirit. Knowledge will be in their spirit. There will be an intelligence. They shall all know the Lord is the promise of an intelligence of the new creature of the human spirit. You know what we lost in the fall? Our spirit intelligence. You know what we gained in the curse of the fall from the, the demon spirit? Carnal intelligence. And most haven't lost it. You have to lose your mind in order to find the mind of Christ. God was taking me through Revelation 2 and 3 today. Hallelujah. And he's saying, you know, John progressively, our hero apostle, went from an earthly gospel. It was a heavenly gospel. It was charismatic. It was as charismatic as anything you've ever heard. But he went from the seven churches of Asia Minor gospel. Walking among seven golden lamps and on earth gospel to a voice in Revelation 4.1 saying, come up here. When he came up through that door in heaven, then he had the water gospel. Your gospel grows as seed in your heart. You don't have the same gospel you first believed. You've grown in revelation, you've grown in experience, you've grown in wisdom. It's not the same. It's progressively more deeply experienced in your heart. The soil and the roots of David in the soil of the Word of God sprouting in your spirit goes deeper into your bowels of compassion through Jesus' love, which is the cross, giving your mind a depth in God through your spirit, Christ in you, the connection of your brain to the eternity of the eternities, into the glory. 
There is a connection that will give you a reflection of God's image bearing. Then you have your bearings straight. A moral compass set on the crystal sea and not on humanity. A gospel that is entirely heavenly. A gospel that is 0% human. 0% soulish. We have yet to have that preached yet in the earth. The sons of God will preach a gospel completely different than the church age. It's true. You're like, oh, I want the Bible gospel. The Bible has seven levels of revelation every verse in the, in the Bible. You want seven? You're going to have God the Father speaking to you directly in a cloud of light that's going to shred the sins out of your brain and your heart and your DNA. You'll be so hit with light that you'll be slain. You know, when God thundered, they were slain on their faces. When Jesus said, I am, a whole legion of well-trained soldiers fell flat on their faces. Job says, though he slay me, yet will I praise him. There's a place where your DNA can't handle it, doesn't have the bandwidth of the light of the living God. So there is a place of soaking and marinating in God's light to increase the ability to conduct his glory at a cellular level which is the ability to conduct through the tongue the things of the spirit. The bandwidth has to get through the soul. Lift up you ancient gates so the king of glory can come out. How much? As much as you've been cut open and carved open like a turkey on Thanksgiving with the stuffing of the river. And it just keeps coming out like a divine cornucopia. Like the widow's jar of oil that keep producing oil every day, so you're fed every day from the glory in the midst of you, following through, so you're never blue, but you're always high in the sky, in the by and by. Holy Ghost. Amen. Shaba. And things feel different today. You guys doing all right? Glory. Thank you, Jesus. He's taken me into revelations of living water I've never heard before. We're coming into a season of greater water, which is greater glory of knowing the Spirit's ability to release a substance under this planetary system that melts the elements with fervent heat. It's, it's not going to work with, within what's been established in Babylon. That's why you want to build on the solid rock. Building on the solid rock is building upon the living water so that you're in the water when the judgments come from those bringing a greater water every day. You can't get more rock solid in preparing for the future than being in the river. And then going deeper in the river, which totally disciples your words. You choose a different word the longer you've been in the water. Doesn't mean it's even going to be more intelligent as the nations think intelligent is, but it will be more marinated. It'll be more intoxicated. It'll be deeper and more enriched through experience. It'll be a more strong word of judgment. Judgment is bound to the word of God. The white throne judgment seat of Christ in you, the word of God. 
So you are to bring judgment of living water to the dry place of your heart and mind. So judgment begins in the house of God. What's the house of God? 1 Corinthians 6, 19, your body is the house of God. So judgment begins in here. Every day, our private time with God, our reading of the word, our worship, our thanks, our meditation, our soaking and token, our drinking, our singing, all of it is for judgment in this house. <laughs> Prayer time, devotional time, the stuff that we do with the Holy Ghost and our intimate relationship with Him in the secret place of the heart is for judgment. You need judgment to transfer the invisible spirit into the visible heart. It's a judgment. Behold the Lion of the tribe of Judah open the seven seals. When the king moves, he moves in judgment. There's not one action that he takes except through a reaction of judgments through the universe. Be it cast into the sea. So the ripple effect of being cast into the sea is the ripple effect of the movements of the judgments of the Word of God through your hearts. You know, the more the Spirit comes through the heart, the more Egypt is in pain and suffering and chaos, confusion. When the judgments of God came in the Old Testament for your understanding and wisdom today, they were put to confusion and turned on themselves. You know how you confuse your spiritual enemies? Satan and the assignments of Satan and the counterfeits of the shadow realm of the soul and, and the fallen bloodlines in your hearts and the carnal intelligence of the nations in your minds to destroy that dimension. Our assignment as the armies of Zion is to destroy the armies of Egypt. There are two trees in the garden. Understand this prophetically. It has nothing to do with the nation Egypt in the Middle East. It's prophetic symbolism. Egypt is the earth dimension. Egypt is the dry place. Egypt is the kingdom and the city of hell. Okay. Zion is the heavenly glory. Zion is the third heaven. You could call Egypt the second heaven in the earth. So you're at war, Zion versus Egypt every day. You need to understand God's perspective on things. This is God's language and understanding reality. This is how he speaks in the Bible. This is how the mature speak in wisdom. It's written in the word. Egypt and Sodom where our Lord was crucified. Zion is the answer to Egypt and Zion. You have Zion in the invisible eternal part of you that must increase in judgments of living water to drown the pyramids of Egypt. Egypt is the building of man in the heart. Zion builds with water. Zion is a drowning of pyramids. Now Zion also is a pyramid. It's a mountain, Mount Zion. <laughs> Mountains are pyramids. There's a pyramid on the $1 bill. That's a, a mountain of money. The mountain of money of Babylon and the world's economic system is written in the realm of the natural with wisdom, with understanding of the spiritual dimensions of reality of angels on paper. There's a mountain on paper. Now, not everyone has wisdom to understand these things, but many do. Millions do. Now, we need to be a people of wisdom that understand 
the angelic dimension. You ain't gonna win in the angelic dimension unless you understand the angelic dimension. I would not have you be unaware, brethren, of the schemes and the wiles of the devil, which means understanding how his kingdom works as a shadow kingdom of Zion, which is a counterfeit of the soul dimension of the spiritual realities of the Zion dimension, or also known as the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is Zion, and the kingdom of God is spirit, because God is spirit, and you're born of spirit, of Zion, and of water. All these scriptures, for your understanding of your permanent citizenship and salvation in that heavenly realm. Now, since you're born in a military, you're born in an angel army. Even a brand new, new creature in Christ. See, there isn't like this diaper hood like you have in the realm of the natural. A brand new believer is powerful. A brand new believer, a brand new creature in Christ is a mighty warrior. You're not born like just crawling on the ground, burping and throwing up and pooping on yourself. Amen. It's not true. You're born again like God. Yeah. Day one, it's like you just jumped out and you can terrorize the enemy. Yeah. That's why when you see born again people, if you don't train them in unbelief, they'll just go off telling everybody about Jesus right away, the signs, miracles and wonders, healings just pouring out of their hands. They don't need training. They just need to be born again and stay born again, which is stay controlled by the spirit and the the water. If you let them loose and don't ever get them into soulish teaching, they'll be supernatural their whole natural lives for forever and ever and ever. You have to be trained by the devil to shut down the works of the spirit. And almost everyone is because they start going to church. And that's the truth anyhow. But you need to come out of church and get into the church of the firstborn in heaven, which is get into the river. I mean, John had to as well. Remember? Revelation 4.1 Come up here. You can't grow anymore down there. How do I get up there through the door? It's a water door. Later on, he had the revelation, and he tells you about the pearls of the doors of how he got in there. He got in there through water. You read John's gospel. It's different than Matthew. It's different than Luke. It's different than Mark. It's all about water because he matured to a place of what brings the final prophecy of what Jesus Christ predicted his coming would be, the water, the days of Noah. He understood the waterway. This is the highest level of mature teaching in the Bible. There's nothing more mature in the New Testament than understanding the water. Habakkuk called it the knowledge of the glory as the waters covered the sea. The prophets prophesied about it even though they never experienced it. But that's the prophet's job to speak the things that are not as though they are. To prepare a people for when it does come, you'll have a scriptural reference point to know God is fulfilling his word. And the water is written in the scriptures 400 times. Amen. So this is not a minor subject. This is the redemption of all creation. The melting of the elements with fervent heat is by water. Which obviously means it's not natural water. It's going to be the glory water. The water, is, the water will even come from the inside out of the elements. Days of Noah was outside in. Days of the Lamb of God is the inside out. It's the inside of man and woman's soul, which is the center of your being, your spirit, your heart, the most important part of you that you need to feed, 
And you need to obey God there in spirit and in truth to be a follower of God. You can't obey God in soul. You can't obey God in brain. You can't obey God in flesh. You obey God in spirit, yada, knowing him, living in that realm. That's the water realm to get into that realm, that heavenly realm. You simply have to learn how to trust and rely on the river. On the river. The river does the works. You know what's strange fire is? The river not doing it. If the river's not doing it, you better not be doing it. You're practicing sorcery. If the river's not saying it, you better not be saying it. You're practicing witchcraft. What's witchcraft? A word whose origin is not the throne upon the waters. Proceeding from the throne of God and the Lamb was a river of life, crystal clear and sparkling, which is the ministry of God the Father and the ministry of Jesus Christ in this world. Which means if it didn't originate in water, if you're not discipled and taught of water, you've never heard from God, you've heard from man. And that's the opinions and the pride and the sorcery and the stubbornness you wrestle up, up, up against against all people's opinions and false teachings every day. We need one teacher and he is Christ. We need one prophet and he is Christ. We need one apostle and he is Christ. All this individuality apart from the river is Satan. You know where you'll find unity, the brethren in the army of God? In the river. In a people with the water gospel whose gospel is no longer on earth. On earth you have the divisions and the opinions of all the animals. It's an animal gospel. The Bible calls that trampling on the holy place. If your Christianity is on earth, you are currently, everything you've ever done your whole life has been a trampling. That's biblical, and it should cut your heart because it's the truth anyhow. I mean, people realizing in their 50s, 60s, and 70s that your whole life is a lie, he'll renew your youth like the eagle. It's the act of humility, understanding that the earthly is fading away, and God's opening up a door in the living water to have a new existence that you never had before. We want people to be raised in Zion, which is raised in living water. We don't want people raised in the dry place those are the antichrists those are the ones that oppose the liquid gospel amen, amen. if anyone's thirsty come to me and drink jesus jesus had a completely different teaching it was a liquid teaching his teaching could be only drunk you guys he called his gospel because he was teaching from the heavenlies he was not an earthly teacher. He said in the beginning of his teaching, the Messiah said, my teachings from above. I'm from above and I'm teaching you from above. When the white dove remained on the lamb, the white dove was speaking from the third heaven, channeling through his body the whole time. He never spoke from below. That's why you can only understand the word in the water if you go up through the door into the water city, the heavenly Jerusalem. But if you stay dry, refuse to drink, don't change your mind, get opinionated, all the brothers and sisters attacking theology today on Facebook, it was a beautiful thing. Attacking soulish Christianity, which is wonderful because you're attacking the beast. We need people attacking the beast. You're, you don't need to pamper the beast. We've turned church into facilitating the beast, which is the carnal mind of those who believe only with their brain. Salvation is not with the confession of the brain's faith. That's demon faith. Salvation with, is the confession of faith with the heart. The heart. 
which is the spirit has to believe. We have faith in the flesh, and that's why we tolerate the persons of the wicked. We don't discern spirits. We can't tell the origin of the teaching, whether it's from Egypt or Zion. Majority of what you're dealing with in these days of Noah is an Egyptian Christianity. Totally Egyptian. Totally earthly. There will be a remnant. This is what the remnant brings. A Zion Christianity. And the prophet's been prophesying Zion. We've been singing about Zion. Zion's glory. Let me tell you, Zion is a mountain of living water of the new creature. It's the citizenship of the invisible part of you that bears God's image rising in your heart. Today we are confronting and wrestling in the heart realm the sorcery and stubbornness of the woman. And woman in prophetics is soul. And you know, it needs to offend you because it's soulish. The new creature is not male or female. If there is identification in the carnal part of you, you still got the devil in you. Still have the devil. That stuff has to be cut off you. That's the circumcision of the heart until all the identification of your existence is in the eternal part of you that's fully angel that doesn't have anatomy. Amen? The bank account that's in heaven. The wisdom of heaven. The wisdom of the new creature that has grown in the word of God. It's changing citizenship from earth to heaven through revelation in the living water. The angels are ministering water to you in hopes of a greater salvation. How am I going to experience a greater glory, a greater salvation? I'm going to transition through an open door. What is the keys that open the door? The keys of the kingdom? It is the word of God. It's the word coming from the water. It's the word whose origin is the river and not some word. You can throw rocks in the river and say it's God. You see that crap all the time. You want to see it directly from the source. Jesus on tap. The plumbing of Jesus has been given to this universe for thousands of years. You have his very plumbing of his spirit. Jesus sits over the world. That's the imagery of Revelation. That God's throne, Jesus Christ's throne, is seated over the world. Uh, Acts 7. Stephen saw the throne over the world. He saw over the wor world, saw the king of the world standing over the world. How? Because the river was flowing through his soul, so he saw the king of the world. If you're seen in the world, you're not connected to the plumbing. You need a plumber. What's a plumber? Plumbing represents revelation of the flow of the living water connecting your brain to the source, so you're seeing, hearing accurately in your five senses connected to the correct source. People aren't plumbed correctly, that's why the false prophet, if you're not plumbed, it's just you're tapped into the human bloodline, speaking man's ideas, man's Christianity, man's prophecy. You know what the prophets of Jezebel are? The prophets of man's charisma. It's the charismatic opinions and ideas of man's soul and man and woman's blood. It's the false prophet. And it all sounds good. Oh, it sounds so good. Because it's got to be deceiving. 
In order to be deceived, it's got to sound right and good. The appearance of that tree was good in their eyes so that they'd be deceived and damned and eat it and die. The devil only sets stuff up for you that will kill you that looks good. The stuff that looks bad, he ain't gonna, it's no temptation. It has to look good in order to appeal to the natural senses in order for you to eat it and die. Now the things that come from God often don't even look good. Jesus of Nazareth was not good looking. The Bible says in Isaiah, there was nothing beautiful about his appearance that we should be drawn to him. Which means the things that come from God don't even look good. That's why there's so few people following him in reality in the river, because they don't look good. The narrow path doesn't look like God. It looks like the devil. Because in the earth dimension, our perspective is totally backwards. You get used to drinking out of an ugly cup of the new covenant and everyone's seeking the gem laden cup with rubies and gold and diamonds oh this is the cup no you're deceived to the natural man it's like inside out camel hair now it can get so beautiful on the inside your cups overflow but most people aren't at that level of maturity most people are totally deceived to the realm of the natural more beautiful than zion perfect in beauty yahweh shines forth so that the dimension that your brain is tapping into at first is unappealing to the senses. It's called the cross. It's terrible. It's death. It's a nightmare. I'm not going to make it. No, you're, of course you're not going to make it. Every carnal part of you, deceived DNA part of you, is appointed once to die. Which is one cross and you die on it once, which is eternally. And if the animal isn't dying on it, guess what happens? It's just living a mere natural life. Faith crucifies the senses. And it is scary at first. Only one guy got out of the boat in the midst of the storm. We're going to die. What are they shouting? We're going to die. Jesus, help us. We're going to die. All kinds of storms in the Gospels. And the animal's reaction are always fear, provision, am I going to have enough? Always going into the realm of the natural. And Jesus demonstrated the superiority of his spirit over the natural realm every day. That's what consistency is in the glory, in the river, that the superiority of the water is superior to the natural water. Flesh runs on natural water. Without water, you die within three days. Spirit runs on spiritual water. And without living water in your coming out of your spirit, the whole soul's dead instantly. I mean, so that's what it means to die. Well, how did Adam and Eve die when they stepped out of the garden? If you eat from that tree, you'll surely die. God said they would die instantly if they ate from that tree. But they lived like 900 more years. What happened? They no longer had real water. They were stuck with natural water. They died instantly. Which means if your brain is not living off of spiritual water, you're dead as dead gets right now. That's what the Neanderthal mind is, the unbelieving mind, the carnal mind that understands not the things of spirit, which is water. Understands not the water, drinks not the water. So for the tree of life to be on both sides of the river is offering the water of life to inhabitants of earth while they're dead without living water. And wisdom is the value of spiritual water, understanding that as real life. 
I'm the way, the truth, and life. What? Out of my belly flows rivers. It was the life of his water flowing out of the man Christ Jesus that was offering true life. But then they said, we already have life because their identity was in the soul and not the eternal part of them, and they all died. So what is deception? That you identify with soul, the natural part of you, the temporal part of you, the decaying, aging part of you, the male or female, Jew or Gentile part of you, if that's what deception is. That you're caught up in the natural realm. Drinking water of life gets your consciousness out of the temporal realm. Out of male, out of female, out of earthly, out of Hebrew, out of Greek, out of denominations, out of everything. Mostly demon nations. Out of the seven mountains. How do you come out of the seven mountains? We're not climbing seven mountains, we're drowning them. Because that's what Enoch says. These are the mountains of the fallen angels, the book of Enoch says. We're not climbing seven mountains, we're drowning seven mountains with Mount Zion, a mountain of living water. This mountain rising in your heart is what conquers the soulishness. You know what the seven mountains are? It's the stubbornness of man and woman's soul. It's the main thing you deal with every day in ministry. Number one enemy, sorcery, which as the which is as the sin of stubbornness. Samuel, it is written. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. We all know that one. And stubbornness as the sin of sorcery. Stubbornness is I'm good with these seven mountains. I'm good and my soul doesn't need another baptism. Without that other baptism, your whole Christian charismatic prophetic life is a sham is a sham. It is shallow prophetics because you don't understand a further baptism. Hebrews 6 says in the message translation that you're playing with finger paints and you haven't moved into the master's art, his artwork. Let's go over there. You got to read this now. This is where God wants to take us into a great, a greater maturity of the priesthood. Amen. Therefore, let us go on and get past the elementary stage in the teachings and doctrine of Christ the Messiah. So come on, let's leave the preschool finger painting exercises. Hebrews 6 1 message. Come on, let's leave the preschool finger painting exercises on Christ and get on with the grand work of art. Grow up in Christ. The basic foundational truths are in place, turning your back on salvation by self-help and turning in trust toward God. Baptismal instructions, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment, God helping us, will stay true to all that. But there's so much more. Let's get on with it. Once people have seen the light, gotten a taste of heaven, and been part of the work of the Holy Spirit, once they've personally experienced the sheer goodness of God's word and the powers breaking in on us, if then they turn their backs on it, washing their hands of the whole thing, well, they can't start over as if nothing happened. 
That's impossible. Why? They've re-crucified Jesus. Staying natural after experiencing water is the re-crucifying of Jesus. How do you do it? Stubbornness. Stubbornness is what re-crucifies Christ. Having drunk the living waters, heard the knowledge of the living waters that we've been prophesying for 20 years, and then not flowing in them, is the re-crucifixion of Christ. And tens of thousands of Christians have done it before your very eyes. Serious. So they're setting themselves up on the pretty terrible side of the days of Noah. We want to be on the water side and not the dry side in the days of Noah. I tell you the truth, I've been doing this a long time. Most listeners have not responded that way. Just like those who listen to Noah, the reaction and the hearing of the knowledge of the glory was not getting into the water. They didn't get into the water gospel. They didn't join Noah and his family. They stayed in the dry side and said, I want a soulish gospel. I want the dry, the me gospel, where I, my brain still has control of this gospel. That is the choosing of the devil. And I tell you the truth, that has been the main response to the true and accurate teaching of the living water. Just like in his first coming, the Jews almost entirely rejected Jesus Christ. Just like in his second coming, the Christians almost entirely have rejected Christ. Almost entirely rejecting the living water. Truth anyhow. Let that sink in. Because that's the reality the prophets are dealing with in this generation. They've repudiated him in public parched ground that soaks up the rain and then produces an abundance of carrots and corn for its gardener gets God's well done. But if it produces weeds and thistles, it's more likely to get cussed out. Fields like that are burned and not harvested. Hebrews 6, 9. I'm sure that won't happen to you, friends. Love always hopes. I have better things in mind for you. Salvation things. God doesn't miss anything. He knows perfectly well all the love you've shown him by helping needy Christians and that you keep at it. And now I want you, each of you, to extend that same intensity toward a full-bodied hope and keep it till the finish. Don't drag your feet. Be like those who stay the course with committed faith and then get everything promised to them. <laughs> Keep going in the water. Revelation 3. He wants to take us out of the earthly church. He wants you to go up in the river. Our job and our mission and assignment from heaven, what I'm authorized to do in this ministry, is to be an elevator of revelations of living water to take you out of an earthly Christianity into a heavenly kingdomanity. That's our mission. That's our calling. That's what Days of Noah, understanding living water, is all about. For there to be anchors 
not to the realm of the natural, but to the glory realm, to the realm of the elevator of living water. It's like jumping in a seashell. It's a seashell elevator that will take you into a deeper depth in God. It'll appear as if you're going down, but you're going up. Because you're going down into the water because the soul's getting baptized. The reason why from the perspective of the fall, which is the brain, that it appears as going up, it's because everything is backwards when the brain is the leader of the soul. Brain is not supposed to be a leader. So that's why in this world you have you need faith to overcome. Bob Jones called the mind your living room because you live in this room, which is it requires faith to do the right thing, living in the living room of the brain, right here in your forehead. Meaning, if you don't have faith, you will not know how to live out of this control center. So a lot of people, what does the Bible say? It things that appear right to a man, but it end it ends in death. <laughs> Which means, if you don't understand how the water works and the wisdom of God, this thing ain't going to lead you correctly. You're going to need wisdom. You're going to have to understand the water. The knowledge of the glory is how the water works from this living room. So up is down, down is up, left is right, right is left. I mean, it is, it's not confusing. The reason why it's confused is because we fell with the devil. Ezekiel 28, his wisdom was forever confused. Which means every single thing in the natural senses is completely backwards. It's not correct. So that's why if you judge by the mind, Jesus said it's planks and specks, which is always wrong. If you're brain-led and not water-led, not faith-led, every single thing you think is wrong. And Jesus said it. King David said the same thing. I said in my astonishment, all men are liars. Psalms, it is written. Which means that the, the fallen perspective is literally wrong about everything all the time, effortlessly. <laughs> True. So the only way you share in his righteousness, Jesus Christ saving you by a gifted righteousness, is changing your perspective in your senses, in your living room, to understanding how the water progressively saves you out of the realm of the natural. And that's how you get transfigured by the renewing your mind, because it transforms the mind into the reality of the water that is the complete and total opposite of the natural perspective. The reason why you have infants in Christ and tech non-believers is because it's a gradual change from natural mindedness to spiritual mindedness until your thoughts are his thoughts by the river passing through your brain, understanding the plumbing of salvation. Salvation is a change in water. You got plugged into the water. Doesn't mean you stay in the water. Most don't. But you were saved by water, John 3 says. And if you grow in salvation, you'll have to grow in the knowledge of the water. And then eventually cover the sea if you keep going. So our job is to keep going, progressively building upon the living water revelations of every generation. The wisdom of the ages. What's wisdom? Wisdom that covers the earth. Wisdom that drowns the world. The wisdom of the ages is the ability to drown the dry place for Zion to conquer Egypt. Wisdom only comes in substances. Wisdom's of fire to wood, hay, and stubble. Wisdom's of water ruling the world. Wisdom's a throne of living water. Seven spirits of God around his mind. What, what is wisdom's end result in the Messiah? A rainbow. 
the symbol of the rainbow, the symbol of God's wisdom ruling the world again. The conquering of the days of Noah is by the seven spirits of God. That's all you need to overcome and conquer and rule and reign with him for a thousand years. And you already got it. Now you just got to sacrifice the dead and accursed part of you that disagrees with the stubbornness of the fallen angels and bring her down into the water. I bring her, my soul, your soul is her, she, in the book of Revelation, we bring her down and drowned her. We drowned her daily and keep her drowned. And the more you drown her, the more you baptize her, the more you'll have an accurate teaching out of your heart flowing the voice of many waters, teaching people accurately what heaven is saying for his thoughts are imparted into you through rivers. The rulership of this world is only gifted to the original water design of God the Father. You don't get some kind of special apostolic thing or prophetic thing or a pastoral thing. You're called the leadership only if you're in the water. Uh, what is the leadership outside the water? Pharaoh. Pharaoh. And that's why people are scared to go to church. You know, they're more scared to come to Joel's bar. 99% of the people tell me they come and never come. They can't get through the water. Can't get through the angels. They're not, their hearts are not right. They're not prepared. And that's, that's good. You're safer. And that's how it is around God's throne and in heaven, you know? I mean, you got to pass through judgments, the pearls, the waters. You got to get washed. You got to go through the fire. Went through fire, went through water. Amen. So the purification process is necessary to get closer and closer to God. And it doesn't mean your spirit gets closer. It means your soul gets closer. Your spirit is born of God. But people say, my spirit's already perfect. Well, yeah, but now share it with your heart and your face. So that you're not doing stupid natural crap in the realm of the dead with dumb doctrine. You got to bring the water all the way up. The morning star has to rise in your heart. It's not born risen. It's unbiblical. There needs to be a sanctification and understanding of the purification and the work of the water. And the water is fire. Living water is fire. Daniel 7, I saw a river. What was the river, Daniel? Fire. And when I saw the river of fire, the living water is fire. It'll manifest in whatever thing the Holy Ghost thinks you need for a greater salvation. The river might manifest as oil. The river might manifest as Shekinah light. The river might manifest as, as food. The river is what materializes anything you need for salvation. It is your entire storehouse of godliness. The river is your Jehovah Jireh. The river is your leader. The river is the Lord himself. You know what? You know, the river is the Lord of spirits. You ain't going far without knowledge of the river, relationship with the river. You can't go anything. You're only going to be stuck in the realm of the dead, faking and psyching yourself out that you're a Christian, but you're not. There's no Christianity out of, outside of the river. It's just demonic. It's really a waste of time. And it's a thief. That's the thief in the garden. The thief in the garden is that you can have the New Testament, the New Covenant, a form of discipleship, even an outwardly outward discipline, even good morality. You can have good morality and still be a total devil, a self-righteous antichrist, because it's all about the control of the river. The river is the actual relationship with Jesus Christ on earth. Every other expression of Christianity will be annihilated by this jealous lover of the river of life himself. 
So the the remnant of the days of, of Noah is also the days of John the Baptist. The Elijah of the river of life. His entire ministry was in the river Jordan, the river of the Holy Spirit. So it's always speaking from the promised land. You know, the promised land, people can go to the promised land and then speak from the promised land and not be in it. But we need a people that are consistently living in the promised land, which means completely misunderstood from the natural realm. You know, one of the evidences that you're actually going after the promises of God is that the natural realm can't understand you. You know, we have people that have been in church 40 years in the charismatic church, they tune on Jules Bar and say, I didn't understand a single thing. It's a different language in the promised land. It's good. That's good fruit. Misunderstanding. I've heard so many wise prophets say misunderstanding is the price you pay for the glory. Because at that point, the brain profits zero. In the wilderness, you can still have a profit for the soul. Some kind of pleasurable thing for the carnal mind. Like you can build churches in the wilderness and have it be a carnal benefit of soulish Christianity. But then if you if you let Zion be built, it will burn all that up. The price you pay crossing the river of life into the promised land of living water to live in the new Jerusalem of Zion is the extinguishing, the annihilating of everything that you gleaned in the wilderness. Yeah, everything you learned in the wilderness, it'll change. You have a different learning style. You have a different teacher in the promised land than you do in the wilderness. In the wilderness, you're taught outwardly. In the promised land, you're taught inwardly. Christ in you is your teacher in the promised land. Everyone in the promised land has realized the glory of Christ in their own spirit. They have an unction from the Holy One who knows all things, which means they're being led directly by God the Father on His throne, wearing the crown, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, in their belly. It's a different type of breed. It's a new breed. You're talking about soldiers who are possessed with their king. Promised Land Christianity is a level of warriordom where God and His authority and His spear, His sword, His armor, all of it, the battle regalia of the Ancient of Days is actually formed on the inside of you and you're a good soldier of God the King on the inside. And you're learning how to yield to Him on the inside. You are His housing. It's an armory. Bringing the full armor of God is just having the Father formed in you through relationship. Just, I only want to do what He's doing. I only want to say what He's saying. I don't have any interests. I don't have an opinion about anything. If God says something positive about Joe Biden, I'm going to say it and offend all the Christians. If God has a good word for Hillary Clinton, we're saying it. And everyone say, oh, there's a false prophet there. The Father is not like man at all. Father changed things up. You see the Father working through the prophets. The prophets are the first people in the Bible to be called God's friends. So a prophet is a real prophet is a friend of God. So on the inside now. So God will only do things through speaking to his friends. And so he'll speak to his friends and his friends will just repeat what they heard from their father on the inside. He wants everyone to be prophetic like that. He wants all his kids to be his friends, which is to be fully prophetic. To be a friend is to be perfected in the prophetic. The God in me is just sharing all his thoughts all the time with me. Big stuff, if it's really important, you know, if you're 
kind of further away from the deep details of, of the Father's heart. He'll give you big stuff. We want to go down into the small stuff. I like bringing up the small stuff, the stuff that doesn't even seem important, the deeper things of Him. Not the big business and all that. I want the deeper, intimate details of stuff that doesn't even matter. Like, I really don't like mayonnaise on my corn on the cob. You know, stuff like that. I hate mild salsa. That's good to know, Father. I like to know those things about you. I hate mild salsa, too. Got a lot in common with your Creator. Hallelujah. I like all my clothes to match. Oh, precious. I got it just from my dad. <laughs> but today I'm a lumberjack. I, I can't follow you anymore, Dad. I can't. The cost is too high. I'll, I'll be in Milan when you're you're done. After you repent, Heavenly Father. <laughs> That's good. You know, Moses told God to repent. A friend can tell God the Father to repent. Change your mind. And, and God did. In the Bible, so that's pretty cool. You know you're doing good if you're telling God to repent. And He does. <laughs> oh, ho, ho. Ass drunk. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. How do I become a better friend with God? That's the main question here in this whole realm of the Holy Ghost that I, that's out here. I can just see, I can just see the words. How do I become a better friend with God? Flow in His river. Ezekiel 47 are the stages of relationship and friendship with God. Ankle, knee, waist, shoulder, and then come into a place in the river in you where you can't self-sustain anymore. You can't provide for yourself anymore. That's what it means. You're no longer able to provide for yourself. The river will have to provide for me. I'll literally have to know God. It's true. That's where it is. Actual maturity is living at that level of faith. We need everyone to get there. But God in His infinite wisdom has given us levels. There are levels. It's not just expecting you all to be Jesus Christ at 33. No. He expects you to be Jesus Christ at point one. Because that's where most people are at. And he wants you to enjoy point one. Then you go to point two. And the seed of the God sperm genetics in your new creature develops and grows. And that's the rising of the morning star in your heart. As the new creature learns and understands and develops in the belly, it breaks through the old creature in the heart. The heart melts and the heart deteriorates, not in a negative way of health, of natural health, but in the leadership of human blood, in the leadership of human emotions. It's a supernatural conquering, which brings eternal life into the human heart. The conquering of death is simply the rising of the new creature. 
the new creature can't die. You have faith for that, that if your spirit comes out of your body, it'll live forever. But a lot of people don't have faith for their spirit to conquer their heart, for their body to follow their spirit to live forever. That's the kind of faith we need in the days of Noah. Because what days of Noah is today is the morning star rising in your heart, the new creature conquering the heart, eating and devouring the heart, melting the heart, and then piercing the heart and going through the heart and resting in this living room. When it begins to rest in this living room, you get a different mark in your forehead. Before, when it was down under the heart, it was beast, which is carnal lead, worldly wisdom lead. But when it begins to be written on the forehead, it's a different mark. It's the mark of the overcomer. What's that mark? I will give them the crown of life to him, him who overcomes. Write this to Sardis, to the angel of the church, the one holding the seven spirits of God in one hand, a firm grip on the seven stars in the other. He's speaking. I see right through your work. You have a reputation for vigor and zest, but you're dead, stone dead. Up on your feet, take a deep breath. Maybe there's life in you yet, but I wouldn't know it by looking at your busy work. Nothing of God's work has been completed. Your condition is desperate. Think of the gift you once had in your hands, the message you heard with your ears. Grasp it again and turn back to God. If you pull the covers over your head and sleep on oblivious to God, I'll return when you least expect it. Break into your life like a thief in the night. You still have a few followers of Jesus and Sardis who haven't ruined themselves wallowing in the muck of the world's ways. <laughs> you got like three good people at your church. They'll walk with me on a parade. They've proven their worth. Conquerors will march in the victory parade their names indelible in the book of life. I'll lead them up and present them by name to my father and his angels. Are your ears awake? <laughs> listen, listen to the wind words. The spirit blowing through the churches. Write this to Philadelphia, to the angel of the church, the holy, the true, David's key in his hand. Opening doors no one can lock, locking doors no one can open. He's speaking. I see what you've done. Now see what I've done. I've opened a door before you that no one can slam shut. You don't have much strength, I know that. You used what you had to keep my word. You didn't deny me when times were rough. And watch as I take those who call themselves true believers, but are nothing of the kind, pretenders, whose true membership is in the club of Satan. Thank you for that, Lord. <laughs> watch as I strip off their pretensions and they're forced to acknowledge it's you that I've loved. Because you've kept my word in passionate patience. I'll keep you safe in the time of testing that will be here soon and all over the earth. Every man, every woman, every child put to the test. Good. I'm happy about it. That's what I like to hear. I'm on my way. I'll be there soon. Keep a tight grip on what you have so no one distracts you and steals your crown. 
You know what a crown is? <laughs> the mind's reliance on Christ and the spirit. A stolen crown is a demonic tactic that gets your mind to rely on external things, which is building on shifting sand. The crown, even the crown of righteousness that you're given at rebirth, is now the soul's dependent on the water. Having begun in the spirit, trying to finish in the flesh is the losing of the crowns. But you can get them back if you return to your first love within. I'll make you a conqueror, a pillar in the sanctuary of my God, a permanent position of honor. Then I'll write names on you, the pillars, the name of my God, the name of God's city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of the heavens, and my new name. Are your ears awake? Listen, listen to the wind words, the spirit blowing through the churches, right to Laodicea. This is what we're coming out of, the seventh church age. We are the Laodicean church age, amen? We're going in from the Laodicean time, this is accurately the time and seasons we're in, into the river gospel, the water gospel of the door in the heavens. Right to Laodicea, to the angel of the church, God's yes, the faithful and accurate witness, the first of God's creation says, I know you inside and out and find little to my liking. <laughs> that ain't the PC gospel of the Laodicean church, is it? Wow. I know you inside out and I don't I don't like what I see. <laughs> That's what Jesus says. That's in the red letters now. <laughs> Hallelujah. People are like, encourage my animal. He's like, I don't like any of it. We're starting over in your spirit. <laughs> I know you inside and out, and I find little to my liking. <laughs> Tell your spouse that. Because that's what Jesus is telling his bride in Revelation 3. Whew. You're not cold, you're not hot, far better to be either cold or hot. You're stale. You're stagnant. And you make me want to vomit. So it says, you make me want to vomit. You brag. I'm rich. I've got it made. I need nothing from anyone. Oblivious to the fact that you're a pitiful, blind beggar, a threadbare, and homeless. In other words, you nasty. Here's what I want to do. Here's what I want you to do. Buy your gold from me. Gold that's been through the refiner's fire. Then you'll be rich. Buy your clothes from me, clothes designed in heaven. You've gone around half-naked long enough. You know what half-naked is? Half-worldly. Not completely got inside-minded, half-naked. And buy medicine for your eyes from me so you can see in reality, really see. The people I love, I call to account. Prod and correct 
and guide so that they'll live at their best. Up on your feet then, about face, run after God. Look at me, I stand at the door, I knock. If you hear me, and if you hear me call, and you open the door, I'll come right in and sit down to supper with you. Conquerors will sit alongside me at the head table. Just as I, having conquered, took the place of honor at the side of my father. That's my gift to the conquerors. Are your ears awake? Listen. Listen to the wind words. The spirit blowing through the churches. So the last thing for the last church of the earthly forms of Christianity, and there will be 2,000 years of earthly Christianity prophesied, and we're the very end of the last of earthly Christianity. And for that seventh church, it's the buying of gold. It's the exercising of the senses. It's the eye, the salvation of the eyes going from, from natural starlight into glory, God's light, firelight, living water, saving the eyes. A different perspective, a different understanding of clothing a greater maturity in the prophetic it's a much greater maturity in the prophetic at level seven and level seven's all there is because then after that i looked and oh my god a door opened in heaven you will have to go through those seven level levels of those seven churches though in order to get to this and open heaven the trumpet voice the first voice in my vision called out ascend and enter then comes the ascension only when those seven places are complete in the soul and the seven interior castles of the soul is there an ascension the total preparation of the heart and mind to go up and live angelically and that's what all the preparation of the bride of christ esther six months in the oil in the waters in the bathing the preparing of ourselves and everything we've been going through in life is to prepare our souls for the ascension ascend and enter and i will show you what happens next i was caught up at once in deep worship and oh a throne set in heaven with one seated on the throne suffused in gem hues of amber and flame with a nimbus of emerald 24 thrones circled the throne with 24 elders seated white robed gold crowned lightning flash and thunder crash pulse from the throne seven fires blazing the torches in front of the throne these are the sevenfold spirit of god before the throne it was like a clear crystal sea prowling around the throne were four animals all eyes eyes to look ahead eyes to look behind the first animal was like a lion the second like an ox the third with a human face like the fourth like an eagle in flight the four animals were winged each with six wings they were all eyes seen around and within and they chanted night and day never taking a break holy 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 is god our master sovereign strong the was the is the coming every time the animals gave glory 
and honor and thanks to the one seated on the throne, the age after age living one, the 24 elders would fall prostrate before the throne, before the one seated on the throne. As I was reading that, the Spirit's explaining to me, Revelation, every time the animals gave glory and honor and thanks to the one seated on the throne. See, it's this full submission of the soul in spiritual worship. The soul completely prepared to live in the heavenly glory and to give glory from the animal, which is the flesh that goes before the throne. The glorified flesh lives before the throne. Jesus is in the flesh. He wants to take your skulls up there. He wants to take your bones up there. He wants to take your organs up there and give you a different skull, a crystal skull, different organs, crystal organs, different skins, crystal skins, and to immortalize you in a transfiguration of your bodies. But the animal has to give glory to God. There has to be a preparation of the soul for the animal to glorify God in his nature, in his glory, in his light, in his living water fully revelated in the mind, understanding divine things at a deeper level. And this is what the ascension is. Ascension is also known as going from glory to glory. You can't begin ascension until you're in the glory, which is the animal giving glory to God which is the animal no longer glorifying self. The stealing of God's glory is there's no long, there's no revelation of the river lifting up the soul to the superiority of God the Father's spirit. So if the soul is not yielded to the spirit, there's no glory to the lamb. There's no actual worship. But once it's yielded and submitted to God's superiority, then it shares in the glory around the throne. That's what four animals around his throne are. It's the lion, eagle, ox, and man. It's the ability of God's original design restored to serving God in heaven. They threw their crowns at the feet of the throne, chanting, Worthy, O Master, Yes, our God, take the glory, the honor, the power, you created all. Now, why do they need to say, take the glory? You think God would already have it, but that's not what John 17 says. Father, I have given them the glory. You have to, through your whole soul, give it back to him, which is the river of life flowing all the way through. How did Herod get disemboweled and get eaten by worms? He didn't give God the glory. Now, people in religion have all these ideas of what that is. What it really is, is you didn't let the river go all the way through the heart and the brain and the bones back to where it came from, to Jesus Christ. In a circle of river of life. The circle of life is the river of life. It has to go all the way through. The temptations of the evil one is to simply get out of that circle, get out of that river, and enjoy the things of God for the selfishness of the soul. And that's when we get into the devil's kingdom, because they're all thieves. To get back into right standing with God is to get back in the flow of giving Him the glory, flowing in the river, letting the river flow all the way through, back to Jesus. So the river comes from Jesus in Revelation 22, 
So the revelation is now you bringing all the river back to his throne in a full ascension. That's what actual worship is, is bringing everything that he's given to man, now through man's regenerated spirit, giving it all back to God face to face in his throne. And that's what ascending is. That's how you go from glory to glory. You're learning how to worship. You're learning how to take the things from God higher, high praise, and then give it to him. Amen. That's what giving him the glory and worship is. The stuff he's given you, giving back, and that's how you grow in God. That's how you mature in God. Hallelujah. Notice how that will deteriorate man's self-life. So you, we're learning that now in the early stages of the kingdom age, just a couple years into the kingdom age, mostly dealing with the Laodicean age still. But we're going to learn the full revelation of how to live the divine life. How to live the ascended life by letting the river go all the way through. And it is a faith life. It is invisible. It'll be made visible as you live it. As you walk it. As your spirit conquers your flesh. As your heart gets crucified. As your heart gets circumcised. As your brain gets crucified. The river is what crucifies the soul. The river is what clothes you. The clothing that we lost, so we had to clothe ourselves, is that we didn't let the river flow all the way through and cover us inside and out. Now we're going back to the full clothing of the Garden of Eden, which is the marriage garments of the celebration of the Lamb in Revelation. Anyone not wearing the living water who is giving the river back to the Lamb was kicked out because they haven't learned how to give Him the glory. Because they were still had it in their soul. There was still soulishness and self-consciousness. There was still sin being practiced in their soul that the water had not yet washed out of them and you can't go into heaven with sin in you. You can't. It won't happen. It has to be the river that carries you up. It's a river elevator. And the river is pressing those points in your heart and in your mind to clean you, to lift you up, to ascend you from glory to glory. And if you disagree with the river, you just never grow in God and you live a human life of complete worthlessness. It's true. It's a wasted soul. He wants you to get wasted on the river and give your soul to Jesus in a greater commitment to the living water. Thank you, Father, for a people that will yield to the river, to learn how to glorify you at an apostolic level that was described tonight in Revelation 3. This is apostolic Christianity. Father, give grace for people to understand the river and how to give everything you've gifted to us back to you, how to ascend actually in living water. We thank you for giving us everything. We thank you for allowing us to approach you and give it back to you. Everything you put in our spirit, we want to bear fruit unto you and give it to the Lamb of God, our King in Jerusalem, and to worship you with the gifts, and to worship you with the sacrifice, and to worship you with the offering of everything you've given us in our life. 
our spirit, our soul, our mind, our body, our work, our relationships, our finances, our nations, all Earth's existence be carried and ascended and washed and given back to the Lord Jesus. That's our mission on Earth, to give all the glory of Earth back to the God of Heaven through the inside of our bodies. That's what the river is doing. It's lifting it all up and giving it back to God. We choose God as our God. We choose the God of heaven as the covering of planet Earth again, and we've rejected the serpents. That's ultimately what it's all about. And we decide who governs this planet. Snakes or Jesus Christ. And only in this process of ascension are we literally choosing Jesus Christ to be our government, our governor. Yeah. Amen. We choose Jesus to be our government and our governor. Amen. Of all our soul, of all of our earth, of all of our family relationships, we reject the serpents and their temptations and their pleasures and their entire building and we want the building of the kingdom. We choose Zion and the living water with this company of, of believers right now, tonight. We, we come together and we have a formal vote for Jesus as our government to give you the glory of all the earth. Govern us. We don't want the judgments that come upon the serpent people that have chosen serpents to be their governors. We're not choosing serpents anymore. Our vote is for Jesus Christ to be our governor and government. Set us apart from Babylon to be a kingdom of heaven on earth that is completely separate and holy. That none of these things of economy, business, even the world system would touch us whatsoever. Lift us up into higher places that we've ever known. Make us this Revelation chapter 4 kingdom people to rule with you in the angelic heavenly sphere that is a different system of rules. It's the law of love in that realm. That's the tabernacle of David of those that are fully above and no longer Laodicean below. And I ask that every person be marked in their forehead and the path be laid out before them inside their hearts and upon their minds of how to ascend and live in this above dimension and to repent of the earthly dimension and all of its immorality and lust and all of its wrongdoing, of all of its greed and of all of its sorcery and all of its wickedness be completely separated from Babylon and the whore of Babylon and all soulishness into a greater river and spirituality from the above dimension. Thank you, Jesus, for pioneering this salvation for everyone already. And we will ascend in it in a greater highway of holiness with the super energy of the river of life you've given to our spirits already and our minds are now requiring for our existence in a greater way, in a greater thirst for righteousness, in a greater dependency on the waters of life and less on the dry place and the dust of the earth. Let the dust be completely separated from us by living water and the natural realm be circumcised off of us by the glory realm. 
In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for making us a holy people set apart for you to serve you in the glory as the literal mature priesthood of Melchizedek, an apostolic prophetic people that will bring a flood from our high reality of ascension upon all the dust and dirt of Egypt and drown it entirely and destroy all the works of the devil and the devil's people on the earth through this remnant who fully ascend in the river of life and learn to worship and give you glory. Amen. Holy Ghost, I pray you'd speak to every person about financial partnership with this ministry, that they could prove their offering and their loyalty to the kingdom, not just with being hearers, but being doers and sacrificers, offering offerings pleasing and acceptable to you and to your kingdom. So just listen to what the Spirit's saying to you about offerings and obey so He may increase you financially. Don't have your own opinions when it comes to money. Leave room for God in finances so that He can bless you. Give this natural realm to God. Lord, I pray for partners for Red Letter Ministries. This month we had $60,000 in expenses. It was a big month for us. We've covered about half of them. We've had one person step up and pay for half of the mortgage. And so we only have the other half to cover. And it's going to take us months at this current level of partnership unless new partners sign up. Our operating costs are due on Monday for, for Kenya. And we're just taking care of business. We're looking for people to sign up, understand what this ministry is doing, and back us up. I want to share this one thing God gave me from Philippians chapter 4. Just so you know how biblical it is for financial support for the works of God. A lot of people struggle with this stuff. They just don't have revelation. God wants you to understand this. One of the gifts is also being a financial giver. You know about the gift of tongues? The gift of prophecy in that same category is the gift of finances to fuel the apostolic and prophetic works of the kingdom against Egypt and Babylon. And that's all we do in Jesus' name. Raise up people with the gift of giving in this ministry to support us in a greater way. Heavenly Father, if that's you and you want that and you want to be in the involved in the gift of giving, just, just tell them on the inside, Holy Spirit, you can use me in that department. I'll be faithful in finances to fuel the works of the kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen. It's in uh, Philippians 4, verse 15. And you Philippians yourselves well know that in the early days of the gospel ministry, when I left Macedonia, no church assembly entered into partnership with me and opened up a debit and credit account in giving and receiving except you only. Amen. And this uh, verse 18 is where he spoke to me earlier. But I have your full payment and more. I have everything I need and am amply supplied now that I receive from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent me. They are the fragrant odor of an offering. What is the offering and sacrifice of Philippians 4.18? The full payment of finances to the apostle. In the Bible now. Don't look at me like that. 
I have your full payment and more. I have everything I need amply supplied now that I've received the money that you gave Epaphroditus and the gifts that you sent me. They are the fragrant odor of an offering and sacrifice which God welcomes and in which he delights. What is the offering of the new covenant? that he welcomes and delights the finances that fully supply apostolic works. <laughs> Philippians 4.18, it is written, Bless every giver in the name of Jesus. You guys have a beautiful weekend, and we'll see you Tuesday. Amen. <laughs> Glory. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs>